Hi everyone, I'm Kara Scott and welcome to The Heart of Poker sponsored by 888Poker, a podcast that looks into the personal side of the poker personalities that we often see on our screens. I use a modified list of the questions from the 36 Questions to Fall in Love study, developed 25 years ago by psychologists as part of an experiment to see if they could make total strangers fall in love with a kind of shortcut for getting to know someone on a deeper level fast. Now my guest this time is a chess women's grandmaster, a chess streaming star, a poker player, obviously, content creator, and she's a gamer, and her record is just incredible. I have so much admiration for what she's accomplished and at such a young age as well. At five years old, she won her first of many Finnish under 10 national chess championships. At 14, she took the World Youth Chess Championship undefeated, she has represented the Canadian Olympic chess team on multiple occasions, and there's actually so much more I could say, and she's still in her early 20s, and she plays poker. Welcome, aka Nemsko, Nemo. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate this. You have so much great content out there, and you have a really like infectious, incredible energy on screen. How close do you feel like your online persona is to your off-screen personality? I would say um, my on-screen personality is pretty close to my um, in-person personality, just because you know if you're if you're streaming every single day for six seven hours, it's pretty hard to uh, be anybody else other than yourself. <laughs> but I, I will say uh, completely honestly that I play it up a lot, and I'm a lot more you know I think mellow or chill <laughs> when I'm off-stream. I think a lot less things are actually as um, I would say perhaps as like exciting as I, as I would have it in real life. Yeah. Well, that actually seems to be about the way it goes because you, I mean, you're making hours and hours of content every day. Like you say, you're kind of have to be yourself, but it's like yourself plus, right? <laughs> For sure. Yes. Yourself plus is an accurate description. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of me too when I do broadcasting as well. So I can relate. Okay, so we're actually going to dive right into these questions. I'm not sure if you've even had a chance to see them. You didn't want me to send them to you, so <laughs> I'm guessing everything I ask is going to be okay. Um, the first one is actually this. Take four minutes and tell your partner your life story. Just kind of like the highlights of who you are, where you come from, kind of like the big moments. I hit on some of them in the introduction, but you know, chess or not chess, either way is fine. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a pretty tough one. It's, that's, that's a big, a big one. one. Do I need to hit the four minutes? <laughs> no, I am not timing you. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you gave an absolutely perfect introduction. Um, I've played chess for basically my whole life, ever since I was started when I was three, actually. Um, it was October, I think, when I was of 2003. So I have like this... I, I, I'm sure there's a word for it. And I'm sure psychologists out there know there's a word for this, but I don't remember... Everybody always assumes that I have a really good memory um, when it because of chess and stuff like that. And I actually mm. don't. I, I struggle with like remembering stuff or like if I'm learning a new game, it's really hard for me. <laughs> but for some reason, I can remember like life happenings pretty well. Huh. Um, okay. Yeah. So I actually have memories from when I was three. So I remember playing chess when I was three. I remember playing chess when I was four. Um, and all of those things. But like, as you said, I, I did start, I won my first uh, national championship when I was five in Finland. And that kind of won me the right to play in the world youth chess championships, which is where my entire sort of like chess career kicked off because 
you know, world world championships um, is obviously a pretty big deal. And I yeah. represented, <laughs> yeah, I represented Finland my very first year um, from in 2005. And that tournament was in France. Um, and I, I actually had started playing chess in France. So we would go back to France almost every single year um, just to like either play a tournament or just visit like the town that we lived in, stuff like that. But um, skip World Youth in 2006. And then I played like World Youth Nordic School. I think I played so many tournaments, like these kind of like national events when I was um, between like five and whatever. Um, but yeah, my notable achievements are, I would say, winning World Youth in 2014, winning uh, North American under 18 at 15, and then being on the Canadian national team since 2014. Um, didn't play last year because I decided to take a little break from competitive chess just to focus on my health. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been streaming for the last. I feel like this is so disjointed, and I apologize for that. My <laughs> thoughts are literally all over the place. No, this is what the podcast is <laughs> okay. totally. No, this is what we do. It's okay. Right, so it's so disjointed. But um, <laughs> I quit chess to focus on school in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, finished my last year of high school. And then uh, went to University of Toronto for a couple of years. And that's what I kind of thought I was going to do. And um, yeah, I was doing a double major in uh, economics and math with a minor in stats. Interesting. Yeah. So I was going to go into like the quant analyst route or the investment banking route. And I was like pretty dead set on that being like the thing that I will do for the next, you know, 20 years of my life (laughs) or however long I would have managed to survive in that, you know, Mm. field. It's pretty tough. I understand. Um, but that's what I thought I would do. And then in 2020, I think COVID hit. Yeah. 2020. Yeah. COVID hits. And then, um, that's when I started streaming because I had a lot more extra time. Hmm. So does any part of you kind of miss, um, you know, that sliding door of not having gone the investment banking route or that kind of other life that might've happened? I think, I, I, I think about that probably a lot more than people assume I do. I think a lot of people assume that, you know, you have this career and you're pretty sad and, you know, everything. Well, you had so much (laughs) success in what you've done. It's not that easy. Yeah. No, I really appreciate it. Um, But I think a large part of the reason why I think about it all the time is because I finished three years of school. So Uh, I was only one year away from graduating and it's always going to be like this what if sort of situation. I Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't know if I would have been happier or done better or anything like that if I, um, you know, actually dropped streaming um, earlier this year to focus on school instead of dropping school to focus on streaming. Mm. But, you know, I I think uh, we all have these things that you you always wonder if. Yeah. um, And I think everybody (laughs) has that. So I'm not too worried about it right now. No, absolutely not. I think everybody does. You're right. I mean, there's these big pivotal moments and you really can only choose one thing at the time. I mean, you can always go back and you could do something again, but I don't know. It feels like uh, multiple lives or being able to have like lots of different run throughs of this would be so interesting just to oh, see yeah, all the different paths, right? And how they end up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, there's so much um, like sci-fi about parallel universes or your other yes. self and stuff like that. I always find it so fascinating. Yeah, same. I mean, it's got to be pretty universal, though, like the desire to know what if, what if I done this or gone there, like that kind of thing sticks with me, definitely. Okay. anyways, we're going to dive into a more personal question now. 
Do you believe in love at first sight? I do not. Okay. <laughs> um, I think I'm a, yeah, I think I'm a little jaded on this. I think love takes a lot of effort. And it's something that you have to actively try in. Mm, and yeah. if anybody is just, well, I mean, obviously, I don't want to say this, that this in a way that it applies to everyone. But I think um, it is really important to remember that love is like, takes effort. Mm. And if you're not effort in it's it becomes some form of complacency and yeah not a huge fan of complacency Mm, yeah same when I was in high school I actually wrote this enormous paper on it for my English teacher about how like I think I used the word congeal like I never wanted to congeal like really bad jello or something kind of gross like that (laughs) but like just staying in one place for the rest of your life maybe a small town Canada for me and just being that same person forever was like the horror Mm -hmm. of my young life so Mm -hmm. I can see that okay so are you a singer when did you last sing to yourself or to someone else I am so not a singer. I I really (laughs) want to sing and I've always wanted to learn how to sing. And every time it comes up on stream, somebody is requesting karaoke stream, somebody, everybody else in my chat is like, oh no, you do not want Nemo to sing. (laughs) I am like the worst singer. Like, you know how there's, there's people that are bad at singing, but like they can get by, right? Like if they sing on stream, like people are like, yeah, please stop singing. But you know, when I listen to them, they're not that bad. I am not that. I am am genuinely just bad at singing. It's so bad. (laughs) It must be like a a completely different part of the brain because so much of singing, I feel like music anyways is mathematics, but like a tune is something else, I think. And I'm with you. I cannot for like the life of me carry a tune. And I have tried. I have done karaoke too, and it's gone so terribly badly. I <laughs> not do that again. Yeah. No, live and learn. Um, okay. So for what in your life do you feel most grateful? Oh, that's a really hard question. Um, I think I'm most grateful now for the people in my life. Um, and also the ability to sort of uh, live wherever I kind of want to live. I think those are two things that I am exceptionally grateful for, uh, mostly because when I was like growing up, we moved around a lot. Like we would, we would move to twice a year or something like that. So Ouch. yeah, not, not having to kind of um, switch locations based on you know, somebody else's whims is, is really nice. I can just decide for myself that I will be here. And although I still move a lot these days, it's more because I want to, or I think it's good for right. my career or something like that. Rather than like, oh, my parents are going to move to Germany like this, this winter, I guess, like, you know, mm. I'll think about going to school there um, or, or anything like that. And yeah, it's been, it's been really nice mm. having freedom. So do you think you're kind of a like a homebody, even if you do move around a lot, do you still try to make a home wherever you go? Um, I think so. Yeah. I think I get very restless being in one place for too long. So I don't Mm. really, um, I don't really feel the need to settle in a place, but currently I think that's one of my biggest goals is to just settle for like two years, maybe, um, whether it's in LA or somewhere else, I just want to like, because COVID years were so hectic. Um, right. I just wanted to like feel a little bit more stable for a period of time. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that as well. 
Okay, well, this kind of ties into what you've already said, but you can pick a different answer as well. And the question is, if you could change anything about the way that you were raised, what would that be? Would it be kind of staying in one place more often? Or is there something else that springs to mind for this one? Oh, that's also such a tough question, because obviously if I if I answer, um, you know, I'm going to change stuff, then who knows where I would be right now. And I think it's a very dangerous slope to sort of go down um, thinking about because it's all of these what ifs. And um, I've been sort of like mentally dealing with a lot of these what ifs for a very long time because I hold a lot of like childhood trauma from um, basically playing chess since, you know, three years old. It's just not mentally healthy. Uh, yeah, it's just super not, it's super not healthy. I uh, did not, yeah, I didn't, did not do it correctly, I would say, is is probably oh, really? like the bottom line of it. In my personal opinion, I, I don't think any part of uh, what I did was, you know, something that I would want to repeat. Mm. But we're here now. Um, and therefore, I don't think I would, you know, I might want to change stuff, but none of that is really going to hypothetically, if I could change it, I probably would. But we're here now, so can't do much about it. Right. Okay. Well, let's look at it from a different angle. Like if you had a small child who seemed to really love chess and really wanted to play, are there um, any kind of big differences that you would make and how you would help them doing that? Yeah, absolutely. I think I would. Uh, I think the most important part for a kid is to always ensure they, you know, more or less enjoy what they do. I, I do think that gentle pushes are kind of important so that you know, you apply yourself a little bit and it's not just all rainbows and butterflies. They, they, they do need a little glimpse of the real world for sure. Um, but at the same time, I think it's, it's, it's also really difficult to parent a child. I think, I think it's a near impossible task and I have a lot of respect for parents that are able to do it and their kid is, you know, happy and thriving. Oh, well-adjusted. Right. <laughs> right. I think it's very difficult, especially with, yeah. um, you know, parents from past generations had a very hard time being first generation immigrants and all that stuff. So um, I, th I think for for like young children and stuff like that, it's really just making sure they're still always interested in the game, like checking with them every single month, every single year and like to make sure you just don't push them too hard. Right. And just something that they they actually want to do and if they are not so sure about it you can always take a one month break or a two month break or you don't have to go back to it <laughs> there's yeah. a million options in life hmm. well I'm curious because I mean I, I don't play a lot of chess myself that's not really my wheelhouse but poker is something that I've been doing for a really long time almost oof, almost 20 years now and I kind of moved through the game as an adult in a way that was really conscious. You know, I was conscious of understanding it at different levels as I progressed. And I wonder if it was the same for you. Can you, can you remember being like three, four, five, six years old and kind of tapping into different parts of the game that finally made sense to you in a different way? Or was it just always something that you could kind of like, you were, you're seeing inside the matrix, you know? <laughs> I think chess is, um, Obviously, chess and poker are slightly different. They have a lot of similarities too. But I think one of the things I most clearly remember is like, you know how you have like these eureka moments, whether or not it's playing a certain spot or um, being more aware of like, oh, against this type of opponent, I shouldn't do this kind of thing or something like that. And in chess, I think it, it does apply a little bit. But so often of the time you're building off of knowledge you have, um, you know, 
gained since day one. And it's sort of, for me, it was sort of more of just like a tier thing, like a cake. I would just keep adding stuff on. Um, and I don't think I ever really had like a, a super big breakthrough moment. I don't think there was ever a time when I just saw myself jump a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think that is not good <laughs> for my chest. I, I don't think, I think at some point I should have made a breakthrough. Maybe that was uh, a large part of the reason why I quit in 2017 was because I was feeling like I was making a very big breakthrough. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with gradual pro progress at all. Right. Absolutely nothing. Um, and it's, uh, it's all very natural, but I, I can't really say I ever um, had like a huge, huge moment. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but even just in terms of like the the more gentle kind of progress, did you think that you could see it even at an age like that? As things are changing, could you see them in a different way? I'm just kind of curious to know what a child's mind would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think there was a part uh, where I read a chess book and my understanding of the middle game mm -hmm. sort of changed a lot. The way that I would approach the middle game um, became very different. But also one of the things that um, – I got a really good education in, in chess when I was young was um, starting from like super basics, like foundations, like uh, just, you know, how do you think about any given position, not just necessarily one position right. or one specific position coming out of an opening. So I think that was a large part of how I played chess. I think it really contributed to my chess playing style and it also contributed a lot to um you know, my future sort of chess learning. Right. But yeah, definitely there were like little gradual like, oh, this makes so much more sense now. Or, oh, this is why I do this. And then you have these like really logical trains of thought like, oh, I'm in this middle game. So I'm going to play this move because after that I'll, I'll you know, rotate my knight over here. I'll start pushing mm. these pawns. And because of this, you know, there are weak squares, I actually have the potential for attack. So a lot of these things sort of like click together. Sometime, I guess when I was like, maybe 12, 13, because that would have gone into uh, me, yeah, entering sort of like international tournaments at Ford. Right. Okay. Well, considering all of the success that you've have, and I mean, you've had so young as well too, what do you think is like, is there anything that would make you feel like, yeah, I've done it. I've had the most out of my life. I've succeeded. What do you think would be an actual success for you in the long-term sense? Not just right now, but looking into the future. <laughs> um, I don't know if this sounds like really, I don't know. Uh, I just kind of want a house. <laughs> that's like oh, nice. really it. I yes. think that's what I'll be like, oh yes, I've done it. Um, I think it's a super tangible, it's always super tangible for me. I don't think there's anything like, I, I know there's a lot of like people that say, oh, there's a higher purpose or, you know, you're trying to fulfill your you know, destiny. My parents always tell me like, oh, if you have a vision, you know, you'll be, you'll, you'll hit it or like, you'll be a lot more successful, mm. etc. Uh, but outside of like actual numbers and tangible like items or like objects, I don't really have like a higher goal right now. I don't have like this crazy purpose where I'm like, oh, if I, you know, um, get to win this tournament or if I get to a certain number of followers or something that's going to like give me, yeah, it's sort of just like a house. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Like a house sounds like 
like a really good measure of success, <clears throat> especially for someone who, like you've said, you want to be able to control where you live, like, you know, have your own home. It makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, besides a goal that you can actually reach before you hit 50 is a pretty damn good goal. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. OK, um, sure. so is there anything that yeah, is there anything you've dreamed about doing for a long time, but you haven't done yet? Oh, I think with the age of like social media and um, like how often I kind of have to be sort of in tune with the world, um, I've never done just like a full break. And I think that's something I really, really, really want to do. And I people like obviously say amazing things about that. It's just nobody in like my direct mm -hmm. Circle has like done a complete social. Actually, that's not true. I think some people have done complete social media breaks. Um, but yeah, I think that's something I really want to do is just like go scuba diving for a week and not have any access to the internet. I think that would sound absolutely amazing. But would it be hard, do you think, for you at all? Or would it just be like pure joy? It would be super mentally hard, but I think not... But I think it's sort of a challenge in itself in uh, 2022, especially for like my generation, I think, <laughs> because we grew up using phones and using the computer and doing everything electronic. Um, I think I think it's something that I want to challenge myself in a way to do um, because it's, you know, it's just supposed to be really good for your for your mental health. And a lot of the time, a lot of the reasons why um not just me, a lot of other people also feel depressed or anxious or yeah. missing out or whatever is because of social media, mm. sadly. And there are so many amazing things you can just do without, you know, social media, like scuba diving. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's funny because people from my generation or even a little bit younger would do things like like go to a retreat where they would take a vow of mm -hmm. silence for a couple of weeks or for a week, or they'd go up into the mountains and do some kind of like meditation retreat or something like that. And it's amazing to me that now it's just literally just turn off all social media. And that's kind of the same thing, you know, like, right. because it's everywhere. Um, even for me, I mean, it's my whole day. I live in Slovenia, but my family's in Canada. Most yeah. of my friends are in England or the States. So like I'm constantly on. But the amount of time I actually spend talking to them versus looking at social media, it's probably weighted much more heavily to like just scrolling through Instagram or oh whatever, my god, you know? scrolling through social media is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge time suck. Like it just catches all of the time in my house and it takes it away somewhere, and I don't know where it goes. I think it's bizarre. I'm pretty conscious as well because I have a four-year-old and I know she can see me and yeah. I learn by, yeah, like watching what their parents do. So I think I have to put the phone down. She needs to realize it's not the most important thing in the room because it kind of seems like it. Like if you were an alien, you came down, you're watching the way we react to our phones or in social media, like you'd probably think it was something like a pacemaker or something, right? We need to keep our hearts pumping. Yeah, absolutely. I actually never used social media until I like started streaming. The only thing I used was Instagram and TikTok. Uh -huh. So I guess that's still social media, but I was using it very much as like a, I'm going to post stuff because I wanted to go into modeling at that time. I'm going to post stuff about like becoming a model. And that's like what I was doing. I was like doing photo collabs. I was like trying to sign agencies and stuff like that. Um, so I had like a purpose when I was using social media. 
when I first started. And then streaming just taught me about like Twitch and YouTube. I had never used YouTube before that. Oh, I was wow. like, oh my God, you can just look for anything on this on this platform. And it was talking to me. Uh, and never been on Twitter. Didn't get Twitter until like July of 2020 or something. Huh. I don't even remember now. But I got Twitter also super late. And then, um, yeah, so all of that stuff was like super new to me. And I think I just noticed such a dramatic drop in like COVID wasn't that bad because nobody was really doing anything that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. like there wasn't really anything to have FOMO over. Um, (laughs) But I noticed more as like COVID sort of released and like people started traveling again and all of that stuff. It was like, oh my gosh, I wish I was doing that thing or, you know, this person is doing this. I should be doing something similar Mm -hmm. or, oh, I wonder how much like, they're making from that opportunity. And it's a kind of like a lot of these things that sort of like impacted my um, mental mm. immensely because I was so, I'm like super competitive as a person, right? And I realized that life is not a zero sum game <laughs> just because somebody else has an opportunity doesn't take away from me having an opportunity. And I fully recognize that. But um, in in like sort of like the chess sort of way like you're either always first or you're second or you're third or whatever right like you have a rank and in my head I think I always just rank myself mm-hmm. in terms of like my peers and it's like a really um like toxic thing that I do and it's all entirely stemmed from social media because if I didn't couldn't see what other people are doing like I wouldn't care right like yeah. I just wouldn't know. um but yeah that's like a big thing unfortunately for for my mental man And I'd say hustle culture doesn't help either because you're your own boss. Therefore, like sometimes we're our own worst boss. Like we have to just take time off, but we don't do it. I have to force myself. And for years I didn't. I was traveling all the time. I was working all the time. I was like constantly available to everybody no matter what time it was. Yeah. And it's terrible, like really unhealthy. So I can kind of understand what you're saying like that. It's, It's hard if you're your own boss to give yourself a break. It's so incredibly difficult to give yourself a break, especially now that you can work from your phone literally anytime, anytime. Yeah. Like I will be on a 12 hour flight and I will do like so much work and like, (laughs) or, or if I'm just like on a drive somewhere in the back of the Uber, I will be like writing up notes or anything like that. Mm. And I think it just infiltrates like every single aspect of like time, (laughs) like time wise. It's just, I can spend more time on it. So So what do you do then when you do just want to turn things off? Is scuba diving something that like you spend a lot of time doing or is there something else for you when you're just going to be relaxing? Um, I think scuba diving is the one thing that I am. Well, it's something that I only discovered earlier last year. Um, So I've only done it twice, but I think scuba diving so far has been. Like you cannot use your phone while scuba diving. (laughs) You are so separated from the rest of the world. The only thing you can do is focus on breathing, focus on not like, you know, it's not a very dangerous activity, but you have to focus on um, like descending properly, uh, ascending properly, not, you know, getting air bubbles stuck in your lungs and stuff like that. So, you know, you have to actually like focus a little bit on the activity. And I think that's really good for my brain. So where do you think most of your friendships come from then? Like from the chess world, from scuba diving or from your childhood? 
Oh, I would say a lot of it is um, from chess. I think chess has like a really small population. Right. Um, sort of like the poker world. Everybody kind of knows each other and you've all interacted before and uh, you're kind of all aware of what's up with somebody else that's, yeah. you know, in the same sort of sphere. Like we're all kind of colleagues, a mm-hmm. couple thousand kilometers apart. And I think that's pretty cool. So I would say a lot of my friends come from chess and then um, a lot also come from content creation and poker these days. Huh. Well, what do you value most in a friendship with all those people? Uh, I think just like honesty, I guess, is a big one. Just making time for people is really important too. Um, how well do you guys like hang out when you're like, what do you guys, what's the activity of choice? I would say like, what do you guys do? Right. Yeah. Well, do you think your friends tend to have like a common, I don't know, like a characteristic in common? I suppose if a lot of people are coming from the chess world, then maybe it's like poker where, I mean, not all poker players are the same, obviously (laughs) that would be ridiculous. Um, but we do like have like groups or archetypes of poker players that you can kind of see where people fit into them is just the same. Yeah, I think so. I think chess is very similar. Um, I would say I haven't been in like the competitive chess scene for a little bit now um probably because i quit in 2017 and then uh COVID. but when i play like the world i played world cup i think in 2021 i think last year i played the world cup and there are definitely like little pockets of friends there so for example i would hang out with some of the other uh chess players that are also a little bit more content creators um and then i would still have my friends that are just like dedicated chess professionals um obviously but uh, for the most part, you know, you hang out kind of like with either people from your national team right? or people that sort of have the same interests as you, whether it's being competitive or being a content creator or, um, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. So what's the most fun thing that you do for your job, for the content creation? Is there like one kind of thing that's like a freebie where you're like, I just need to have a day where it's going to be fun. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah, playing League of Legends. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's like the one activity I do, I think, um, for stream where it's just like all for me. Ah, oh, nice. Okay, well, here's another question. We're kind of getting a little bit more personal as we go through. This one is, have you ever been genuinely terrified in your life? Um, Is this like a physical reaction? Like a, It could be. You know, if you saw a ghost or a, <laughs> just in general. Okay. Yeah, just in general. Yeah, I have been. I have been. In hindsight, it doesn't matter at all, obviously, um, but definitely have been. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but that is part of the question. <laughs> I mean, I, it's more like I can't. Ah. I just cannot. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I cannot talk about it, <laughs> unfortunately. No, absolutely. Okay, unfortunately. Yeah. No, of course. Um, so do you have any phobias or what would you say your biggest fear is? I don't have any phobias. Um, I think the only one is I avoid taking the metro because I really dislike being underground. But I, I will. I can still do it. I just have a preference. I, other than that, I don't think there's anything I'm particularly scared about. Nice. That's a good place to be. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. So when did you last cry in front of another person or by yourself? Um, I think two days ago. <laughs> 
Ah. So this would be the 17th of November for, you know, if the podcast comes out later. Uh, but yeah, I think I was just really had a lot of like, well, it wasn't really more out of sadness and it was more just out of anger. I was just so frustrated and I um, actually punched the wall a couple wow. of times. And it was just like, I was just super, super, super frustrated like two days wow. ago. <laughs> yeah. Would you do anything? I don't know, like martial arts, that kind of thing, athletic stuff to get that out? Uh, I wish I did. I'm, I think I'm going to do kickboxing classes. So I, I did boxing for a little bit. Oh, nice. Back in college, just with like my friend because he's like trained as a boxer. Uh, mm -hmm. But I also like to kick things, I guess. So <laughs> like, it, like boxing is not enough for me, if that makes any sense. It's like, a, oh, yeah, it's a little too uh, still a little too rigid, I would say. Obviously, it's a really complex sport and there's just so many technical things that go into it. But I really want to incorporate like my entire body. Uh, not that you, you're not using your entire body boxing, but just no, slightly no. different. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, like I want to do Muay Thai. I want to do like kickboxing. I want to do... Um, yeah, huh. that's nice. I actually did Muay Thai for a few years actually, and I can wholeheartedly endorse it as something that just, like you say, you kind of, you use your entire body, your knees, your elbows, your shins, mm -hmm. your fists, and then there's clinching and that kind of whole thing too. So there's something about being exhausted at the end of it that for me took away my stress and just didn't leave any room for anxiety or thinking about things, stress that, yeah. Right. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I, I think it's really nice when you have to think about every aspect of your body, uh, which is like what scuba diving is because you just have to like be a good diver sort of to get the full experience. Mm -hmm. So um, when you're like, when you're doing sports like that, I think it's just you, your brain just doesn't have time for anything else. And it's a really good time for it to just completely reset. Yeah. And with martial arts, we're not used to getting hit. Mm, yeah, that's yeah, true. Like we're not used to getting hit. It's not something that we generally do. So I found, especially in the beginning when I first started training, it was like weirdly cathartic to be very aware of my body in a way that I just mm -hmm. wasn't at any other time in my life. Because, you know, sometimes, yeah, if someone clocked me across the face in class, that hurt. And you were like, oh, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is what's happening. I don't know. It was really grounding in the moment, kind of that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. So are you the kind of person who dwells on mistakes or embarrassing moments, or do you manage to just kind of let them go? Are you one of those miraculous people who just walks on by and never thinks about it again? <laughs> well, I used to think a lot about anything small I would do. So I, I have like super bad, well, I just have chronic anxiety. Um, that's been like clinically diagnosed for, for a couple of years now. Mm -hmm. um, but I think for the most part, it's just, gone because there's just so many other things I have to worry about in life. <laughs> like if I do, if I do something embarrassing, I, I just don't really care. Nobody's going to remember anyways. I, I don't have time to worry about it. Oh, that's such a good way. It's so healthy. I'm still kind of working on that, which is like kind of embarrassing at this age. Yeah. No, not at all. Well, no, just to still be working on it because you're right. Like we shouldn't have time for that. I mean, life is too short to be honest, I think. So yeah. Yeah. So just go out and do other things rather than dwelling on all the things that we got wrong, especially for me in poker. When I first started playing, the way that I started playing was that I had a job on a TV show where I had to learn how to play poker in front of people and then do it live. And people could like <laughs> email in. It was oh, brutal. It was like, 
yeah, just setting myself up to be absolutely flamed for like hours every single time I was on the show. And I mean, eventually it means you just grow a thicker skin, but yeah, I don't know. Not great. <laughs> I think that's like, uh, yeah, that's a very, that's a very interesting learning process actually, because my entire poker journey is like fully documented on Twitch. Like that's the only, um, that's where I started learning poker. Yeah. And the first time I ever played poker was just on stream. Um, so definitely a really interesting experience to sort of like learn an entire game in front of an audience. Yeah. And sometimes poker as a community can be, I mean, super welcoming. That's the truth, you know, but. Or super toxic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It does have a flip side of it. That's totally there. So, uh, but yeah, I guess if you're in content creation, you kind of see that side of humanity as well, because you get just the volume of people. You're going to see sure. so much more of the toxic people because you're seeing a higher volume of people in general. Do you think? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, obviously poker, um, poker has a lot of like slightly toxic backseaters, which I'm sure every poker streamer is perfectly aware of. And, you know, comments on yeah. YouTube, just in general, are not very nice. No, it doesn't matter. Okay. The only nice comments I've seen on YouTube, I think are like on Minecrafters channels. They have the nicest community. <laughs> yes. I swear. They, they do. Really do. It's all just like <laughs> these little kids that are like, Oh, I want to watch Minecraft. And then with poker <laughs> and chess, it's just like, Oh my God. You can't even beat a grandmaster. You're so bad. And I'm oh like, my hey, guys, relax. This is just for fun. <laughs> or like, I, I, I think I released a video and I was getting flamed for not accepting time odds when I just wanted to play like a five, a five versus five minute game or something. <sighs> and I was like, that's kind of my personal choice if I don't want to like take time odds or something, you know? <laughs> um, and I, it's, it's just so bizarre that people yeah. have such a strong opinion about what other people are doing. But the way that I see it is that if if people are making comments like that on YouTube, then why like why does their opinion matter anyways? Right. Um, because you know they're probably just not in a great place in their own life <laughs> if, they're, <laughs> if they're kind of dump misery on other people, you know, like just have fun. This video is supposed to be fun. This is not supposed to be serious. Just so, yeah, uh, definitely like have to approach sort of like comments and stuff differently when you're a content creator. But I would say I have a really, I've had a lot of really nice interactions too. Um, there's definitely people who also reach out and you know, comment and say nice things. Yeah. So it's like a bit of a, got to focus on that. Yeah. I always feel like when people do the nice comments, they almost always apologize in the beginning. Like, I don't want to bother you. And I think mm -hmm. I even do that too. When I reach out to people, <laughs> I probably did it to you. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to bother you, but you know, I saw what you did. I think it's really good. And maybe we should just do that more as people. Right. Sure. Like when we see a good piece of content that you love, say so. Yeah. I think I really try to do that with some, sometimes, sometimes like obviously people just don't respond or whatever and it's totally fine. Um, I just wish there was like, like content creation is so, um, superficial a lot of the time hmm. because at the end of the day, it's a slightly parasocial relationship you have with yes whoever it is and obviously i have like my real friends and stuff right in content creation like even even if they're a viewer or something i definitely have friends one of my mods i've met like multiple times in person now and like we've hanged out and stuff like that and it's really cool but it's there's definitely this element of parasocialness to it which makes like 
things like that a lot of the time seem just a little awkward or um you know people might mean they're the best but they just don't know how to like really phrase it well or anything things like that always happen yeah it can come across a little like you kind of crossed a line there <laughs> yeah like what's happening you know, like what's happening here like please don't email my personal you know account Oof. or something like that um but like honestly for the most part i, I don't really think twice about it i like appreciate it and stuff yeah uh, but yeah definitely it's, it's it's a hard sort of a hard balance hmm. yeah no kidding Okay, I think we have time for maybe one or two more questions left. Um, this one, it's a little dark, I'll be honest. So your house containing everything you own catches fire. Okay. Uh, but after saving all your loved ones or any pets, you have time to make a final dash to save any one item. What would it be? Is there something that's like so important to you that you would definitely go back into a burning building to save it? <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, I guess my PC, that's about it. <laughs> I not really think of anything else. I don't think there's like a. You don't have like a object. trophy in particular or something like that? I don't actually have any trophies. Really? I threw them all out when I was like wow. 17. Yeah, every single one of them, except for my World Youth trophy. That's it. That's the only one I have. But I wouldn't save that either. So I don't, I don't really care. Okay. Yeah. Well, how come you threw them out? I'm just curious. Um, I'm not. A huge fan of like object permanence. Hmm. Like I don't, I don't, I know what I want. I don't need a trophy to show that. If that makes sense. Like yeah. I don't find any joy in that. So I mean, I, I keep like some old medals and stuff as sort of like what well, my parents do. Actually, my parents keep them. <laughs> I bet. Um, of I don't course really they have, do. Yeah, I don't really <laughs> have any interest. But yeah, I don't have any of my trophies. I, I don't think. Apart from like some medals from 2005, I don't think I have many medals either. Um, but yeah, I, I think it just makes it so much more freeing because if you constantly look at things that you've accomplished in the past, um, you're kind of, your your mindset is sort of like stuck there. You're not moving forward. And right. I did this all when I was uh, really adamant about quitting chess. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, okay, I no longer want to play this game. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to throw everything out completely drop the game and just do school. And well, I play league for like a year and then I actually went to college and stuff, but, um, yeah, that's basically what I did. So, huh. Okay. Well, last question. This is kind of a bonus question. Um, what skills do you think you have that would make you valuable in a zombie apocalypse? Oh gosh. <laughs> I would say strategic thinking, but I don't actually know how strategic like my thinking is. I don't, I don't it's going to work. Um, I can shoot arrows. Well, that's pretty good. I mean, <laughs> probably learn like how to shoot a gun. Huh. I could imagine it can be that much different. Um, yeah, no, not a lot of not a lot of applicable skills to that. <laughs> well, it's a tough one, and it's probably never going to happen. Probably, so it doesn't matter. There we go. Um, well, thank you for this. I really do appreciate you coming on. I know it's not you know, the typical sort of interview for I'm sure poker or chess, to be honest. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm hoping it wasn't too deep and personal probing and all that. No, I absolutely loved it. I, now I really wanted to listen to what everybody else on your podcast has said, because this is obviously you, you didn't mention it's a complete, you know, it's like different, right? It's a psychological, you're asking me questions and stuff, but right. it's really interesting. Um, because 
It reminds me a little bit of therapy. <laughs> yeah, people have said that for sure. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of therapy and I absolutely love the format. So awesome. thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it's really nice to hear. And I'm really glad you actually came on and I can't wait to, yeah, go and watch some more of the stuff that you do. I don't know. You have such a lovely energy and it really is so evident. I think that we're lucky to have you creating content, you know, for poker as well now too. So thank you. Thank you very much, Kara. And everybody who's listening, thank you very much for being here. I hope you feel like you know the person behind the cards and the screen even better. Now, join me next time on The Heart of Poker, sponsored by 888 Poker. 